Eagles Entertainment. With the 15th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and what a weekend it was in college football. The, the college football playoffs were just simply outstanding. In games that typically these semifinals have not been all that entertaining over the course of the playoff era, this, these uh, games were the complete opposite. Both down to the wire, TCU, Michigan, Georgia, and Ohio State. You had some other great games on Saturday as well. We're going to break it all down, not just in Saturday scouting, but we're actually going to start this show off with On the Clock. Well, Gabriella DiGiovanni, she's going to be here. She's going to ask us about those playoff games, and we're going to talk through it. The best players from this weekend who shined brightest on Saturday. We're going to talk through that on On the Clock. And then Dane Brugler and I on Saturday Scouting, we'll keep talking through this weekend in college football and also dive into some of the news. We've got some late-breaking news. We'll get into All-Star Game announcements, some underclassmen announcements. We'll do all of that throughout the course of this show. As always, be sure to head on over to our Apple Podcast page or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you listen. If you can leave us a rating somewhere, we really appreciate it. It makes the show more visible to others that are looking for NFL Draft Podcasts. And as always, Always, if you've got a question or a mock draft or anything you want us to break down, that's the place to go. Leave it there. We'll answer it here on an upcoming show. That said, let's get rolling here. It's time now to go on the clock. On the clock. All right, well, let's get the show rolling here with On the Clock. A little bit of a change in the uh, in the itinerary here as I welcome in both Dane Brugler and Gabriella DiGiovanni, uh, both of whom are, uh, were, were heavily invested watching this game, uh, both sets of games, the playoff games, uh, this past weekend. Ella, uh, introduce us to the topic you wanted to bring to the table this week. Okay, I'm excited about this one. So to, uh, today I want you guys to debate the best New Year's Eve performance from a draft-eligible player. So I said New Year's Eve because I'm, I'm going to just remind football fans that on the 31st, the games that went down were Alabama, Kansas State, TCU, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, and Iowa, Kentucky. So out of those four games, who had the best performance from a draft-eligible player? So uh, Dane Dane is leading us off. Yeah, there's a lot lot of options, a lot of ways we can go here. Uh, Dane is going to lead us off. Uh, I've got the caboose. I'm going number two. Uh, So Dane, I uh, I will let you roll. All right, so last week on uh, The Athletic, you know, I ranked my top 12 prospect matchups to watch in the college football playoff uh, semifinals. And, and, you know, it's like Keely Ringo against Marvin Harrison and on and on and on, and a lot of great matchups. But there was a clear number one. It wasn't even close. And that was C.J. Stroud versus the Georgia defense. And C.J. Stroud absolutely showed up uh, on the biggest stage uh, of his career against a really good defense. And uh, it's just, you know, weren't sure what to expect coming off that Michigan game. Uh, and, and as a prospect, Stroud, again, he's not universally loved among NFL teams. And so if he played inconsistent, uh, you know, against Georgia after what happened against Michigan, that's only going to further create uncertainty about his draft projection. Uh, but if he played really well, that maybe that moves the needle a little bit and just about how high he would be drafted. And Stroud, again, he not only played well, it was the best game he has ever played in an Ohio State jersey. Uh, he was locked in from start to finish. The composure, to me, I thought was really the key. It allowed him to stay in rhythm, accurate down the field. Uh, the number one area where uh, I have had my reservations, other people have mentioned this, is his effectiveness outside of structure. He just did not look, and it's not that not, it's not that he's a bad athlete or he's just incapable. He just never really looked comfortable scrambling or creating on tape. In his first 27 games with Ohio State, 
He had a grand total of one missed tackle. One. Against uh, Georgia in that game, he had three. Earlier this year against Penn State, he had a career high, three scrambles in that game. Career high. Against uh, Georgia, he had six. So it, it just, you know, I don't know if it was a part of the game plan or something that, you know, CJ himself really said, you know what, I'm going to rely on my legs here and going to do whatever I can to win this game. Uh, but whatever it was, I mean, there were a few plays, especially in that second quarter where, you know, Jalen Carter beat his man, free uh, lane to the quarterback, Stroud, just simple sidestep at the final moment, kept his eyes up, uh, first down for a comeback route. Two plays later, it, it, it was the touchdown where, Again, changed his platform, sliding, climbing, found Marvin Harrison, who uh, you know, really just uh, turned uh, Keely Ringo all the way around. So, it, you know, it's just you you take the everything that he's done over his Ohio State career, and we knew he was surgical from the pocket. But when he was very inconsistent when asked to move the pocket, and against Georgia, he did both at a very high level, poised decision-making, on-time, accurate throws, so, look, NFL scouts, they operate on body of work, you know, not single game performances, but this is the type of performance that will change a draft grade, that will move the needle and increase the team's comfort level about drafting him very, very early. So I, you watch that Georgia tape and you can understand how a team would come to the conclusion that C.J. Stroud's worth a top three pick. All right. Strong performance from Dane. Fran, what do you got? Well, for me, I'm going to go with another quarterback that is being talked about in the top five. And I'm going to go with Alabama's Bryce Young, who went 15 of 21 for 321 yards, five touchdowns, all to five different receivers. So it's not like, hey, I've got this stud, Marvin Harrison Jr., is going to be a top 15 pick next year, and I'm just going to keep feeding him. Uh, I'm going to go to five different receivers, spread the ball around. He finished the game 14 of his last 17. He's named MVP of the Sugar Bowl. His team won 45 to 20 in a game that many felt would be an upset. And so, I feel like when you look at uh, the overall game, I would say Bryce Young, I mean, that 32-yard thirty-two yarder off play action in the third quarter, probably the best individual play from the weekend. Just a ridiculous, bonkers, bananas throw from Bryce Young uh, down in the back corner of the end zone. Um, if the question was which player helped his stock the most, I would say, yeah, I would say C.J. Stroud definitely helped himself amongst the, the the quarterbacks that we're talking about. I don't think that Bryce Young like moved the needle, but if we're saying which player had the best game, uh, I think it's Bryce Young. The completion percentage, the yardage totals, the touchdown totals uh, going up uh, against Kansas State were just better from Bryce Young. The way that he operated from the pocket, the way that he was able to spread the football around with lesser talent around him. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Bryce Young uh, in, in this category. So for me, I would say it was Bryce Young. That said, just continuing the conversation off C.J. Stroud, yeah, he was awesome. I mean, it was, this was the best I've ever seen him look in an Ohio State uniform. Just going back and watching the condensed game, I'm excited to go back and watch it on film later. Um, this was uh, an awesome performance from both guys. I just think the better overall player uh, in terms of the this individual game was Bryce Young against Kansas State. All right. Well, I have absolutely no um, reasoning for any of this except for the fact that Dane just pulled right on the heartstrings. So Dane wins. <laughs> 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 All right, so I that's like fair. It. At least you're honest about it. At least I'm I mean, expected yeah, response for me. Uh, I and I get it. You know, it's if, if the conversation was who helped themselves more. You know, but 
I, I, I don't know. I mean, what C.J. Stroud did, uh, the stakes were higher for him over what Bryce Young did. Um, I think we we both agree that the Georgia defense is uh, better than the Kansas State defense. Yep. And, yeah, you know what? He, he did rely on Marvin Harrison a little bit, but of his four touchdowns, they went to three different receivers. So, you know, he didn't rely strictly on uh, Marvin Harrison. So, uh, you know, his, his ability to, to move uh, the chains in different ways, whether it was his legs or, you know, just working uh, different parts of the field. I, I mean, for him to play his best game in Ohio State uniform in the game that meant the most, even though it, it was a loss, I, I, that's just, that, that, that's uh, really something that's going to help him on his NFL resume. To me, like, I, have a, I have a question for, for both of you. Do you think that NFL scouts or GMs watched that game and thought, okay, there's actually more skill to unlock from this player that maybe we can do. Because obviously his game, like he wasn't a dual threat quarterback, right? Like what he did with his legs on Saturday is very uncharacteristic, what we haven't seen. Was that perhaps something um, being in the system that was in place at Ohio State? And maybe that's something that a scout or a GM sees and thinks that that would be a good fit for their team, or that's something that they can work on or a skill they can play into once they get their hands on him. Yeah, you know it's interesting because yeah, as a scout, you have to you have to project. You know, you have to uh, uh, you know because even like Justin Fields when he was at Ohio State, he wasn't a guy like he. We knew he had the athletic ability, right. but he w- wasn't a guy that you know uh, what he's doing with Chicago. He didn't really do that a lot at Ohio State in terms of just looking to use his legs. He wanted to be a pocket passer, and I get that. Um, and even going back to high school, uh, C.J. Stroud has always been a pocket guy. Uh, you know, even like in the rankings. Bryce Young, both Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud coming from Southern California. Bryce Young was ranked as a dual threat quarterback. Uh, C.J. Stroud, he was ranked as a pro style quarterback because that's how they played. That's what their strengths were. And so I, I don't, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily going to change how you want to win with C.J. Stroud and the situations you put him in. But the fact that he can give you a little bit more in terms of creating. I think it just it helps your comfort level with him because if you're draft because he's never been a statue he's been he's always been a good athlete but he just ne- was never comfortable taking the yardage if it was there if all of a sudden that changes a little bit and, and you know it's and, and Fran I'll be interested to get your opinion on this like this is one game you know and so it's like right. he's shown that he can do it but how much do you change your opinion when you know it's uh, it's not exactly. Uh, in terms of body of work, it's just, it's not there. And so it, you have to be encouraged by the what he, what he put on tape, but at the same time, you know, how encouraged are you that he can do it now whenever he wants? To me, I think that it's you're, it's going to come down to the individual that's doing the evaluation, right? And I think that there are some people that will grade the flashes more so than the body of work, and there are a lot of people that will grade the body of work more so than the flashes. Uh, the big uh, the axiom that you'll often hear is uh, it's not about what a guy did, it's about what he can do for you in the future. And if this is how, hey, this is how C.J. Stroud was asked to play, this is how he, what he wanted to focus on uh, within the structure of his own game, I'm going to play from the pocket and that's it. Whereas, hey, like you have this athleticism, you have have this ability to create outside of structure. Like I mean, Dane, the, the stats you dropped were outstanding with this topic, but even looking at uh, just watching the game back and seeing the scramble on what should have been the game-winning drive, seeing him break the pocket and direct receivers and, you know, and getting, guy, getting guys to roll with him in the scramble drill, like, 
We haven't seen that le- that X factor, that next level from C.J. Stroud over the course of his career, and showing that ability. And that's the thing is that that used to be a uh, a negative per se, right? It was like almost like, oh yeah, like he right. does that, but that, that's all cute, but like that's not what really wins the NFL. No. In today's NFL, you need to be able to do things like that if you're going to be a superstar at the position. That's just the fact of life. If you look at who the superstars are in the NFL right now, those are the guys that can make plays in that way, make the offense right when the defense wins the snap. And I think that that's something that C.J. Stroud did not show previously, that in this one game, I don't know, I think it would kind of be silly to not factor that into the evaluation if he does, in fact, declare for this draft. And so, um, yeah, I, to me, like, really good to be able to see that from C.J. Stroud on Saturday against uh, against Georgia. Well, and I know a lot of GMs feel that if I've seen you do it once, yep. I know you can do it. Yep. And it's just a matter of, it's, you know, that's something that Chris Ballard taught me. Uh, um, it, 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 you know, then it's up to the coaches to make sure that you can get it out of them. But if I've seen you do it on tape and I know you're capable of it, oh, well, then I know you can do it. I know we can get more out of that and get it to be a more consistent part of your game. And there's no question. I think a lot of teams will see it that way with Stroud. And Chris Ballard with the Colts might have the ability to uh, put that to the test, uh, considering where they're likely to be drafting and uh, with uh, C.J. Stroud potentially uh, on the board for them when they are on the clock. Well, guys, this was a a fun conversation. I wanted to have, Ella, when you brought the topic to me, I was like, yeah, we're going to put this at the top of the show to really kind of kick off our recap of these two playoff games and the rest of the action this past weekend. Ella, thanks so much for joining us on the Journey of the Draft podcast. Dane, stay right where you are. We're going to continue now with Saturday Scouting. It's time for Saturday Scouting. All right, Dane, let's continue our conversation here talking through this past weekend in college football, playoff weekend, but also a number of other key bowl games as well. And we'll start handing out our game balls. I think we can uh, put the Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud conversations to bed so we can focus on other players outside of that duo. Uh, Anybody else stand out to you on offense? Who gets your game ball? So I'm going to give it to Quentin Johnston uh, for TCU. You know, they were missing their star running back for most of the game and Kendra Miller. Um, Duggan was a little up and down as a passer in this game. So TCU really needed their their top playmaker to make some plays. And he, and he certainly did. Six for 163. Uh, obviously, the big play was that 76-yard catch and run where uh, the athletic stride, the acceleration, taking away the pursuit angles. I know you're, you'll talk about it more here in a little bit. Um, and I still have some questions with with Johnson in terms of his ability to um, you know, consistently separate at the stem uh, on non-post routes. But the tools are just so much fun for a guy that's 6'4", 215 pounds, to have that athletic stride um, and to have that athletic ability and ball skills. He just, he's a really, really good player. And so, um, you know, I, I can understand why he would be the top receiver on some boards. And I think he showed why in this game. Yeah, I mean, I'll just get into it just because it was going to be my one play takeaway, but I think that 76-yarder, it's third and seven in the fourth quarter, so it's crunch time. Uh, that third quarter, I believe, it, what is it? It set, like, the record for most points scored uh, yeah. in Fiesta Bowl history, like something crazy like that. Uh, so t- both teams are going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and so it's third and seven in the th- in the fourth quarter, and Duggan finds Quentin Johnson on a shallow cross, and you mentioned, like, the way that he was able to change speeds there at his size to be able to govern that acceleration the way that he does uh, to then hit this hit the 
corner and then pull away from everybody on the field for guys that big. It's just it's unique. You don't really see that all that often. And so that to me, like that was the play that made me sit up in my seat and go, whoa, okay, uh, this is a, a big time player making a big time play. Quentin Johnson, uh, yeah, de- definitely deserving of your game ball. Um, for me, I'm going to go back to the Ohio State Georgia game. Uh, Kenny McIntosh. This is a guy I know, Dane. You were high on coming into the year. Your number one senior running back. Uh, I know over on Prospect to Pros podcast, you guys have been talking about that uh, over on the Athletic Football Sheet, uh, on the Athletic Football Show feed. Uh, you and, and Andy Staples have talked about. Yeah, don't forget about Kenny McIntosh. And in this game, he was a dual threat for the Georgia Bulldogs. He had that touchdown on the wide receiver screen from the slot early in the game. He finished with five catches for 56 yards and also contributed rushing five for 70 yards on the ground. Nearly had that one long touchdown. The turf monster got him. Uh, this still ended up being a 52-yard scamper. So, uh, yeah, to me, Kenny McIntosh contributing in both phases. Uh, he gets my game ball on offense. Yeah, he played He played terrific. And um, I think when you look at this running back class, how deep it is, it'll be interesting with McIntosh where he fits in, in all of it. I think his pass catching is something that, that will separate him from some of these other backs. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it shouldn't surprise anybody if he ends up on day two. When you look, I was gonna say, like, do you view him as a uh, a mid day two guy, early day three? Do you, I guess ultimately it comes down to how you view him moving the trans, moving uh, to the NFL. Do you think that he can be a three down player, or do you think he's more of a a three down backup at the next level? I, you know, I go back and forth a little bit on this, but I do think that he's more of a point of entry back where, uh, you know, you, he's not he's not the best creator, but you lead him into the hole uh, and you let him use that speed. Uh, you know, he's, he does a really nice job on cutbacks, following his pullers. Uh, once he finds that space, he could be a tough guy to deal with. Um, so, you know, there, I do have some, some question marks if, you know, you're not using him that if you just ask him to create, but and then you use him as a receiver, whether in the slot or on the outside or just on screens out of the backfield, he offers a lot. So, I mean, I like him best as part of a committee where, you know, he's not going to be a bell cow featured weapon, but you mix him in with a, another back. And I, I think he could be a really uh, you know big impact player for you. All right, let's go over to the uh, the defensive side of the football where um, you want to go outside of the playoffs for the first time here, Dane. Uh, who do you like here? Your game ball on defense. Man, Brian Branch uh, for Alabama, guy we've talked about at length, uh, you know, back in September, uh, back in August, um, you know, uh, I think every month we've at least hit on him, uh, you know, once or twice. Against Kansas State, he was all over the field. He finished with 12 tackles, four for loss, one sack, one interception. Um, I mean, he is, uh, he's not the biggest guy, but I tell you, he's a sure tackler. uh, you know, he brings physicality at contact and, and then he can cover you. Uh, and it doesn't matter if it's a slot receiver, it's a back out of the backfield. Um, you know, he there were he gave up a few catches in the game where his spacing was a little off. But, you know, he made more plays than he gave up. And on the season, he has 14 tackles for a loss. He's three tackles a loss away from Will Anderson. I mean, it's just it's a crazy wow. amount of production. Um, he is a top 20 player in this draft. Um, he has not officially declared at, at the time of this taping. Um, but if he does, I, I think he's just a clear number one safety in this group. 
Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, there's not much to say about with this kid. He he is a legitimate safety prospect, like a guy you're definitely talking about in the first round, middle of first round, all day long. This kid just brings everything to the table, and we'll see uh, if he decides to enter this draft or go back for another year. We've seen uh, plenty of blue chip players from Alabama go back for that final season, and Branch could be the next on that list. Um, for me, I'm going to go back to that TCU-Michigan game. Uh, pass rusher Dylan Horton. I mean, this kid was just unblockable in this game. Three sacks, two hurries, one QB hit. Honestly, I was surprised those numbers were as low as they were because it just felt like every time I looked up when TCU was on defense, this kid was making a play. Sideline to sideline, he was terrorizing J.J. McCarthy and that Michigan offense. Yeah, and Horton's fascinating because he's he's carrying more weight than he should. He He's like up to 275 when I think in reality he's more of a 260, 265-pound uh, guy, they just bulked him up to fit that three-three-five that they run, um, you know, and play more of a five technique uh, point of attack player. But his athleticism of that size is so impressive. I wrote in my, um, you know, preview when I was ranking the top twelve matchups in, in the semifinal playoff games, uh, how he was the most underrated prospect in the entire playoffs. Um, I, I think he gets lost a lot because this edge class is so deep it's kind of like you know the conversation with mcintosh uh georgia running back running back's really deep so is his edge rusher class that it's easy to kind of lose sight of of horton how good he is this is another guy that belongs on day two all day um i think he's a future nfl starter there's a lot to work with we'll see him again here uh, in the championship game and then the senior bowl so I, i even though i think he was the most underrated guy uh, going into uh, the playoffs, I think he certainly made a name for himself with how he performed. So I already t- hit on my one play takeaway. That was that long play to uh, Quentin Johnson on third down. Uh, what was your one play takeaway from the weekend? Oh, I'm going to stick with that game. And I mean, obviously there were so many plays uh, it just back and forth, back and forth, crazy. Um, but the, I'm going to go with Max Duggan and a play he made. It was in the second quarter. Uh, TCU's up 14 to three. They're knocking yep. on the door in the red zone. And the play call is a, a Tay Barber's running a crosser. And, you know, there's an unblocked blitzer. Duggan sees it. He knows it's coming, but he has to buy time for that crosser to clear. So he showed off his mobility and his toughness. He's as he's taking a hit, he fires a strike. Uh, to Barber, who's able to get it in for the touchdown, put TCU up 21 to three at that point. Um, I mean, just a big time play. I mean, I, I, he was inconsistent as a passer throughout the game, but every single game he has a, a handful of plays, uh, you know, uh, and with his arm that make you sit up and say, oh, wow, okay, that, that's an NFL play right there. So the toughness, the arm strength, uh, that's why Max Duggan, if you're talking about a middle round developmental prospect, I, you know, I, I get it. I get the intrigue with Duggan in that in that range with that type of uh, as that type of prospect. There were there were a couple of plays I thought when you said you were going to do Max Duggan, I was like, all right, I wonder which play he's going to go for. That that was one of them that did come to mind. It's just there's so much speed on that offense. Like Tay Barber, Darius yeah. Davis is going to the Senior Bowl. Obviously, we talked about Quentin Johnson. Just so much juice for the Horn Frogs, and that's something that Georgia is going to have to contend with for certain. Let's now go to uh, our next category hey, here, hey, Fran. Real quick, uh, breaking news: Brian Branch has just declared. There, there we <laughs> so, go. Uh, there we go. The uh, the the mystery is no more. So Brian Branch uh, now a part of this class. And again, we, we kind of hit on it already. Uh, but that guy's a, a top twenty, top twenty five type of player all day, and probably probably higher than that, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's just the fact that he can be a nickel or a safety or yeah. that versatility. I think is a is something that's really going to help him when it comes to draft time. 
And to me, like when you're talking about the versatility, because that's such a buzzword now when you talk about it, and everybody uh, wants multiple uh, fronts and multiple coverages and guys that can line up all over the place. Like that's all well and good. Um, versatility is important. And that is something we will praise with a lot of prospects. But the ability to be a playmaker from multiple spots, yeah. that's like what makes a guy uh, a next level type of player. And Brian Branch can be a playmaker as a nickel and a playmaker as a safety. That is big time there uh, for his future prospects. Let's now get to our, our future studs, guys that we won't be talking about for a couple years when it comes to the NFL draft. For me, um, the true freshman pass rusher, Mikel Williams from Georgia. I mean, this kid looks the part off the bus. 6'5", 265 is a true freshman. He had the sack in the first half uh, against Ohio State. He had a couple hurries on top of that. Uh, that's a guy we will be filing away for down the road here, Dan. Oh, no doubt. I mean, the the power that he showed yeah. as a uh, for such a young player. I mean, that that's really really impressive. He gave Paris Johnson some some trouble. Uh, and Paris Johnson, good chance he's going to be a top fifteen pick and an NFL starter at this time next year. So that was really impressive to see. I'm going to stick with Georgia. Uh, Javon Bullard, uh, true sophomore yeah. uh, defensive back. He had a. Uh, there were there were times where he gave up some plays in coverage. Uh, there, no doubt about it, but. Uh, he had a pass breakup. He had a sack. And yep. uh, as tough as it was to see that hit on Marvin Harrison, it was a game changing play. Uh, you know, not only did it break up the throw because Marvin Harrison almost caught that for a touchdown, but it, it, you know, it knocked Marvin Harrison out of the game. And it, it you know, Marvin Harrison, I, I, I've said that name more times on this podcast than probably any other name. Uh, and as big a fan as I am, and the game seemed to change a little bit after Marvin Harrison was out, which you know was unfortunate for the Buckeyes. Uh, really could have used him on that final drive. But Javon Bullard, give him credit for the t- the tenacity that he played with uh, you know, from start to finish. He gave up some plays, but Javon Bullard's a name that I think more people know now compared to a week ago. All right, let's uh, let's now, before we get into some more of the breaking news around the NFL draft, let's real quickly just go through some players that we've studied uh, on tape here over the last week or so. And, and I will say, Dan, just because it's we've talked about Brian Branch and uh, you know probably the number one safety off the board in this draft, I did another safety uh, in this class that I also really liked from the SEC, and that's the senior Jay Ward from LSU. Uh, he's got a really interesting body type, 6'1", 184, so he's built more like a corner. He's got 32-inch long arms, so he's got some length to him. The guy I wrote, I wrote down Nasir Adderley, uh, and I, I'm interested to kind of get your thoughts uh, on that comp, uh, just because, but I, I actually think I like Ward more as a player than I liked Adderley coming out of Delaware uh, a few years back, and Adderley has turned into a nice starter for the Chargers. Here's what I wrote down uh, on Jay Ward. Two-year starter in the secondary, getting starts at every spot on the back end for LSU. Versatile, athletic defensive back with a feisty play personality, the ability to comfortably play man and zone from a number of techniques and not be a, ri- a liability in the run game. I do think he'd be better served playing inside or from depth as a true safety as opposed to outside corner. Just a quick, a quick aside, he, the most of his games on the back end of this year were outside a corner due to injuries for LSU. He started the season as more of a nickel, has played safety over the course of his career, started there as a corner early on. And so he has legitimate starting experience at all three positions there in the secondary. Um, I do wish there was more of a playmaking dimension to his game. That is something I think can be developed with time, or maybe it'll show up with more games that I study of him. But I did three or four games games last weekend, Dan, and I think this is a guy that's a, a, a starter all day in the NFL. I really liked Jay Ward. I'm excited to uh, to do a little bit more of him, but to me, the difference between he and Branch, again, is that playmaking element. I just saw a little bit more from that standpoint from Branch than I've seen from Ward. 
Yeah, and honestly, that was one of the reasons I'm not quite as high on Ward as you. I mean, I I, I grade him as a mid-round pick, um, a guy that has a chance to start. Um, I, I I do love how aggressive he is. You know, he charges downhill. Uh, he will target the hip, the belt buckle, and just drive through guys. But there are are times where he goes for you know the the physical hit instead of the wrap up. Yeah, I think that's fair. For um, sure. I, I think, you know, too many missed tackles on, on his tape that, that bothered me. And then I just I, I wanted to see more uh, ball production. Yeah. I, I thought there were times where he just wasn't situationally aware enough in terms of anticipating route breaks, understanding, you know, down and distance and where the sticks are, um, things like that. I mean, that, and then that bothered me a little bit. I think that's probably why I'm a little bit lower on him. But no, he, he is a good player and a guy that I, I, you talk about versatility playing all these different positions and doing it because of injury and, you know, holding up nicely. So that's something that will certainly help him. Uh, it seems to evaluate him and compare him to other safeties in that same bucket. Yeah, uh, he's, a, he's a fun player. Right? Like I said, they, the, the playmaking, the ball production, that will be uh, one of the big questions for me. How about you? Who, who's a guy that you've done so, some extra work on that you wanted to uh, talk about here? Well, I wasn't sure who I was going to talk about. And then, you know, you, you picked an LSU player. So I'll go with an LSU uh, okay. player too. Um, Ali Gay uh, from that defense, you know, BJ Argelari is the guy um, in that, in that front for LSU. He's going to be BJ Argelari is going to be a top 40 pick, or at least he should be. If he's not, something's wrong. Uh, he, he's just a really good prospect. Um, Ali Gay on the other side on he's, he came in with some fanfare. Um, you know, there, I know some teams that gave him a second round, uh, second round grade. Thought he could go top forty, top thirty, um, based really just on the tools. Because this is a guy that has length, has athleticism. Um, you know, he's born and raised in uh, in West Africa, came to the U.S. and really turned himself in from this soccer player into this football star. Uh, went to JUCO route and goes to LSU, and uh, you know he's been on the field ever since. He's a guy that I like the tools. I just want to see more in terms of on-field production. Uh, you know, in three years, he's never had more than two and a half sacks in a season. Um, I, his pass rush tends to stall too quickly. He has, uh, you know, he flashes this quickness this, to, to be a penetrator, to win on the outside track. Uh, you know, but he needs to keep his hands, his hips in sync, needs to have developed more in terms of his counters so he can not just, uh, you know, shut down when that first work, first move doesn't work. Um, and, and then uh, as a run defender, he can contain outside runs because of his athleticism. I just want to see more violence, more suddenness at the point of attack. So, uh, you know, he can be uh, a little more active in the run game. So I, I love the body type, long, limber, the physical traits are terrific they're worth developing he's just fundamentally raw in, in so many areas um and doesn't really know how to maximize those tools just yet so scheme diverse um it's just gonna i think it's gonna take a little bit of time for alligator to get there and this is a guy that's uh already 24 years old so it's he's a little bit of a complicated prospect yeah, I, I think that he kind of falls in one of the buckets that we've talked about. I think Ben and I just talked about this last week on the show was like um, the those traitsy pass rushers, the guys with size or guys with athleticism and typically the guys that have both that aren't finished products yet. They always go a little bit earlier than you think because if they do put it all together and they hit, well, then you, you've got all of a sudden a quality asset. And so um, that might mean Ali Gay goes like, 
you know, mid day two or late, late day two or early day three, maybe earlier than what his tape would tell you based off of like his football skill right now. Um, but I agree with you that the traits are really tantalizing and that's going to be really intriguing for uh, teams that are picking in that area of the draft. Um, Real quickly, let's... he has more passes defended in his career than sacks. Like yeah. that, just—I I, mean—that that shouldn't be the case for yep. uh, you know a guy with his tools. Uh, I mean, and one, on one hand, it's impressive that he has so many passes defended, so so many pass breakups. But at the same time, I, I just need more backfield production. Let's go um, to some underclassmen that have announced their intentions, and we'll, we'll actually we'll, let's stay with LSU real quick because Kayshawn Butte made some headlines late last week. Uh, first, he came out and said, mm-hmm. "You know, I'm staying at school, so he's going to stay with LSU. Don't uh, don't count me in next year's draft." Well, after their bowl game, or was it just before uh, he comes? Out, yeah, I guess it was just before uh, comes out and says, "No, like I'm actually going to enter this class." And now Butte uh, throws his hat in it, his name into the ring. He will be uh, he will be in the 2023 draft. Yeah, and, and look, I, the the reasoning for all, all this will will come out in time. Um, I mean, I've heard plenty of rumors. Um, not not going to discuss them here, but in time, I'm sure they'll come out. But you know, he's a guy that uh, has plenty of talent. We know it's just he's so he just feels like a boomer bust guy. It, uh, probably a slot only player. That's where he's at his best. Um, has athleticism, has ball skills. It's just a matter of consistency. We saw it in the SEC title game with uh, against Georgia. We, you know, he he's capable of these yep. big plays. It's just can he do it on a more consistent level? So it'll be really interesting where he lands on the draft because he his talent says he should go top fifty. His consistency says he should go more in the mid round range. So how teams marry those two will be will be interesting. Well, let's go back to uh, those Alabama Crimson Tide members because uh, on Monday morning, those guys made it official. We just heard you'd heard the breaking news there from Brian Branch. Uh, but before that, we saw Bryce Young, Will Anderson, and Jameer Gibbs all declare for this draft. I don't know that there's a lot to say about uh, Bryce Young and Will Anderson, uh, two blue chip guys that are likely to go in the top three, uh, potentially number one and two. Uh, certainly can't imagine either guy falling out of the top five of this class as we sit here in the beginning of January. But you've got those th- those two entering. Talk about Jameer Gibbs. Uh, where do you see him falling at the, in this draft when it's all said and done? Man, I and I, I'm pretty sure you agree with me. Um, I, I just love Jameer, Jameer Gibbs. I, I am such a fan of his his talent um, and all the ways he could be a weapon as a runner, as a receiver. Um, he's not the biggest guy, and that that's that's you know a fair to point out. And I think workload will need to be managed a little bit with him. Um, it, in his 31 games in college, at Georgia Tech and Alabama. He surpassed 25 offensive touches in a game just once. He's not a guy that has been, you know, uh, you know, he, he's been more of a committee. Uh, this past year for Alabama, he was responsible for only a third, exactly 33% of Alabama's team carries. So he's not been a guy that you just, you know, he's been relied upon to be that that workhorse. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean that he can't take on more of a workload. It's just it's part of the conversation with Jameer Gibbs. Now, that's what you worry about. Now, what you love about him is how electric of an athlete he is. He's so sudden. His feet just are amazing. Uh, it, 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 he's so it, – it, it it's so sudden in and out of his cuts, uh, the way he sets up defenders, uh, his ability to press, sort, burst. Uh, it, it, he's an offensive lineman's dream because of that vision and that athleticism. He understands football geometry uh, and able to uh, hit those blocks – or hit those blocking angles, uh, the the holes that the angles or blockers are opening for him. 
it's just a, it's it's like if you took Alvin Kamara and Chris Johnson and just melded the two guys together, <laughs> the result would look something like Jameer Gibbs. So any factor in, he's an elite pass catcher. The vision is outstanding, and then the explosiveness. I, I don't see how this guy doesn't go in the first round, uh, even though he is 200 pounds, 205 pounds. Um, he's just, he is a big time weapon. I mean, hearing you talk about him makes me think like, I don't know how you have Bijan ahead of him based off uh, how you talk about Jameer <laughs> Gibbs. I, I mean, it, I, I would give Bijan the edge because he's better through contact. Yep. And, you know, like, I, I think yeah, I have a better idea of what he's going to give me. And Bijan, I mean, you could say he's also a big time pass catcher. He's also, uh, you know, the balance and burst. And, and so he has a lot of that too. But I mean, I don't, I have not seen, and I like a lot of running backs in this class, but Robinson and Gibbs, I don't know how these two are not the top two backs off the board in April. All right, well, let's talk about another running back uh, who is entering this draft officially, another one from the SEC, and that's from Ole Miss, Zach Evans, transfer from TCU. I know you were high on him coming into the season, Dane. Uh, What do you think about Zach Evans entering this class? Yeah, what what do you think he's feeling right now, seeing his old team in the the national title game? That's tough. that's, That's that's tough, you know, and he and at the time, I don't think anybody blamed him for, um, you know, making the move uh, going to the SEC. And look, he could have stayed in the Big 12 and racked up a ton of yardage, but he went to challenge himself. He went to a tougher conference um, and, you know, he he was banged up. And so it didn't quite work out for him uh, in, in terms of, you know, I'm sure the reasoning behind his move. But uh, this is a guy that he was still. Uh, a, a big-time playmaker for for Ole Miss. Uh, 20, 23% of his carries this year resulted in a 10-yard gain. That's by far the best among all qualifying backs. Um, he has a big playability to him. I He was second or first or second in the SEC in, in yards per carry at 6.5. Um, his ability to match his vision with his acceleration uh, is really impressive. It really allows him to weave through, the, through traffic, through the defense. He's got balance of contact. Um, you know, so there, there's some things I, you know, I want to see him be maybe a little more patient to set up some, uh, you know, set up defenders. Um, there, there are times where wish he was a more consistent finisher, make some questionable decisions at times, but uh, overall, this is a really talented back. And so, uh, I don't know that he's going to go top 50, like we thought, uh, over the summer, but he's coming off the board somewhere on day two. And then lastly, here from the underclassmen, uh, all on offense here for this episode, Brenton Strange uh, from Penn State, 6'3", 246. Um, first popped on my radar when Penn State put out some athletic testing scores from like their uh, their summer pro day. This is back like um, uh, two August ago now. But uh, this is a, an athletic kid. He was third-team all-conference this year. What have you seen from Brenton Strange? What do you think about him moving to the NFL? Yeah, not the – in terms of size, not the biggest no. target – but I, I think what I was most impressed with um, watching him is his ability to take a beating at the catch point. Like he will uh, – he'll get absolutely smacked, and he just bounces right back up. Uh, he had only one drop this year. Um, he had a couple big plays against on the Auburn tape that, that really stood out. Um, and so it'll be interesting. I'm not sure what he's going to run. Um, I mean, okay, if I put it to you, over under – you know, like a four, seven, three, what would you say in the four? I would say the under, I, I think that's probably a little bit high, okay. a little bit faster, but not, not a ton. I okay. think he's probably like mid four yeah. sixes would be my guess. Like, like mid to low four sixes. Okay. And, and I hope he ends up running the four sixes. Cause that, I think he needs to, that would be a win again, for him. he's yep. not, 
Yeah, and so, I mean, he has a ton of ability. Um, I was a little surprised he did declare it wasn't the most productive year for him. But, um, you know, you, you see you see the ability. And so it's uh, this tight end class just got stronger. Uh, let's, lastly, now just finish up with uh, a couple senior bowl announcements. And, and Dane, you broke some news on the, on the uh, underclassmen front earlier. Uh, I think I'm going to break some to you uh, right now because uh, as we were recording, uh, the senior bowl announcing that Georgia running back Kenny McIntosh heading to Mobile for the, for the senior bowl. So another talented running back heading down there for, uh, for Jim Nagy and his crew. Yeah, and that's I mean that's a no-brainer. Um, yeah, you know, like I said, yeah, he was the top running back for me in the summer, uh, top senior. Um now he's I don't know that he's still number one. I mean, he's I but I think he's right there with Zach Charbonnet. Um, I'd probably throw Rashawn Johnson, the Texas running mm. back, in there as well. Yeah, I mean, he is a uh for me, he is a top three senior running back in this class and a guy that definitely has a chance to go day two. He he will shine catching the football in Mobile, there's no doubt. Uh, and then a couple guys that were initially announced uh, for the Shrine Bowl, D- defensive tackle Gerard Clark from Coastal Carolina, and then Indiana linebacker Cam Jones, who I know you were really high on. I know you were you were uh, uh, singing uh, Jones's praises earlier this fall. That's my guy, and you know he he got hurt down the stretch, and that did, really yep. you know kind of things cooled off a little bit with him. But he is one of the most violent players that I've studied so far this year so physical at the his, point of his attack. like his snap as a tackler is as impressive yeah. as any linebacker in this class no question oh it, it is and it's just it, I think he's and he's not just that too I think he his his backfield vision um his read react I, I think is really good um you know you don't see him he's not not the biggest guy, but you don't see him miss tackles in the hole. Um, and uh, the coaches really rave about him as uh, a leader, as a person. Um, he's a vocal guy. He's the type, he's going to be in the middle of the huddle, captain. motivating his teammates. Yeah, captain yeah, the last right, three years. Exactly. Yep. So I, there, there are several examples on tape that just kind of show all of this and get you excited about him. So, um, you know, I, I, he wasn't a guy that I think was highly ranked coming into the year, but I just – I. Watching that Indiana defense, he number four kept popping up, popping up. And um, yeah, I remember talking about him, you know, with you guys back in, I don't know, September, October, yep. how he was uh, uh, one of the better senior linebackers in this class. And so glad to see that, uh, that Jim agrees. Well, we'll be seeing him uh, down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. We will see you down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl as well. Dane, thanks so much for joining us once again here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. All right, so great stuff this week from Dane Brugler and Gabriella DiGiovanni. We'll be back later this week. Ross Tucker, Ben Fennell will have another guest as well, all talking through what's to come with the NFL Draft, the College Football Championship game, and more right here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand.